That may not be the way that you're built, but there are certain things you're going to have to learn to supplement in order to like survive. (laughs) So like budgeting. Right, right. That's one of those. Hi, it's Abby from Omega Talks. Thanks for listening to our third episode. This is actually the second half of our conversation with Heather Casey, owner of Lead Strong 414. If you haven't listened to episode two yet, go do that. It's great. Then you can come right back here. Did you do it? Perfect. On with episode three. Self-awareness is everything. Oh, yeah. If you can just be aware of where those weaknesses are. I I say this all the time in the businesses. I I can't do everything. I know that I'm not great at everything our business does. Mm -hmm. But what I do is hire people that supplement those skill sets, takes things off my plate, you know, and is more talented than me in those areas to push the ball even further. I it would not do me any good to hire people that are less talented than myself. Right. Like, I don't want to be the most talented person in the right. room. I want other people coming in to make this company better, to mm-hmm. be more talented in these areas and keep pushing the ball forward and create a great company. Right. So yeah, just knowing your weaknesses and, and knowing where that <clears> is. And that's another phenomenal use for the disc that you bring up is hiring. Hmm. So um, for instance, it is, human nature to when you're hiring someone that you have subconscious tendencies to follow the like me syndrome. So you end up hiring like you. Um, I analyzed my team before I even became certified for this. I had a team, I think it was about seven or eight people and we decided to do the disc and 80% of them were the exact same profile as me. Oh, mercy. And the two that were not, I didn't hire. So that was a big moment of, ooh, Heather. Yeah. While this profile might fit this particular job well, there are clear deficiencies of you not being able to think like... You're going to have blind spots. Right. If everyone around me is me, we're going to have blind spots. Right. Um, In our company right here, the the core team that we have, uh, I'm an eight on the Enneagram. I'm an eight, Abby, you're a nine, Sarah's a one. So it goes up to nine Mm -hmm. and then kind of starts over one. And then I've got a three as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those personalities are way different. Now, Abby meets us kind of in the middle on a nine because she can relate to me. And then Sarah being a one, you know, she sits in the middle and and can kind of bridge the gap between the two of us. One of my closest friends is a three. Uh, and we work really well together somehow, but I think it's because he will make up for what I'm lacking and can push a ball to a different direction that I wouldn't even thought of, Right. you know, and it's so valuable to have people iron sharpening iron, have people that are going to just rub you the wrong way, Mm -hmm. but it's for the good of it all. And being an eight, like I just want, I'm fine to be told I'm wrong. Right. I just need to be told, you know, that I'm wrong and why. You know, and if there are facts to back it up, then great. That's it's going to be fine. But, you know, you can't have a company and I've worked for companies that the senior leadership is all the the Mm -hmm. same profile. 
And it is absolutely miserable to work for, especially when that profile is not it's a healthy. It's not yours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it is the awareness of them all being like me was one of the biggest eye openers that I could have ever had. And mm. then a few years later, our team had doubled and we did it all again. And it was a nice mixture. That's great. Um, because we were, I was taking that into consideration. I know companies like, like Google are, you know, do this type of stuff all the time of just evaluating their teams and the most efficient teams, why they're efficient, why, what's going on. And I believe that the conclusion that they came to was that there was just a nice mixture of different personality types there and an open environment. The leader leads an open environment right. where they all feel like they can come to the table with their ideas right. uh, and just push, push it to, uh, I keep using that phrase. I don't like it. Abby, give me a new phrase to use. <laughs> what? Push it? Push the ball yeah. forward. <laughs> that is your... Keep things moving. Dominant driver style D. Yes. <laughs> move forward. Yeah, move results. forward. Yeah. Yeah, but results. You know, the, these teams come together and uh, within the right open environment, they can get the results that, you know, a company right. is looking for. And I think, I think what, you know, going back to where you asked about you know, somebody that's skeptical going into it. Um, one of the things that is critical, if you've ever, if you've ever read Patrick Lencioni's five dysfunctions of a team, um, on his, he, he, he draws a triangle that the foundation or the bottom of the triangle is trust. The top of the triangle is results. So basically there's other things within the middle of that, such as uh, conflict. So if you don't have trust, you can't constructively address conflict, then you can't hold each other accountable. Um, and all of those build up to, you've got, you want to have constructive conflict. You want to hold each other accountable so that you can get the best results from that varying range of personalities. But if you don't trust each other, none of that can be achieved. So in a team that doesn't have a foundation of trust, you're, you've got the opposite of that is fear. So you've got an environment where it's every man for itself, for himself and my ideas are the best and, you know, all of that. And when that environment exists, you absolutely will not get the best ideas and you won't get that open collaborative communication, which gives you the highest results. So going back to the trust piece, most of the time, trust can build instantly in a DISC session because someone has that aha moment of, they're not just being a jerk to me. They just don't have that particular quality that I need or look for or am myself. And you have those aha moments where it immediately tears down walls where someone thought, this is a problem with that person rather than this is a difference in us. And so those moments or those, those sessions alone build that trust and it creates that open, you, you just start to see those walls start coming down and teams start being able to speak up in meetings because they're not going to be criticized because of who they are. People are going to know that that's the way they communicate or, or whatever the case may be. So it, it can almost instantly create 
or take that trust to a next level because not only are you understanding more about yourself, you are understanding more about human behavior and why people do the things that they do. And it's not because they don't like you. It's because of who they are. Mm. I mean, it could be because they don't like you, but for the most case, it's <laughs> because of who they are. <laughs> what, what questions are you asking teams as you guys are in the room um, to help them self-evaluate as they're going through their report or their assessment? Gosh, that's a good question. Um, so one of the things that um, I've actually got one I'm com- that's coming up that is I have, this is now the second group within the same organization that I'm doing one for. Absolutely fascinating. The first team that I did this for um, was I would say 85%. So we're talking a group of 23 people. And I believe I can count five that were not a dominant C. So heavily skewed towards C. I was not leading that particular session, but my question afterwards to the leader of that group was, what do you, now that you know more about it, what do you think some of the deficiencies are within a team that has this, what are some of the blind spots, not deficiencies from a a negative standpoint, but what are some of those blind spots? And she was like, oh my gosh, no wonder I'm so frustrated in things not moving fast enough. Because C's are your over-analytical, often analysis paralysis. They are slow to make decisions. Um, And so she has a team of technical people who are just going deep and and just analyzing the heck out of everything. And she's going, "Why, why are things not getting done? And so that is truly her answer. We've got to balance this out a little bit more. Um, obviously that's difficult when you can't just say, okay, this group of C's gone. You know, I need to bring some D's in here to balance you out. Um, but the awareness of it alone opens up, how can we be creative to supplement this, um, blind spot that we would have as a full team, not just as a person, but as a team, we're missing this particular So maybe even trait. introducing those five that, that aren't in that category, those five into helping make decisions on behalf of groups, put them in, in team leads or, or something along those lines right. to say, all right, you guys have done well at pulling together all the analytics. This is the decision we need to go with to move the ball yeah, forward, that kind of thing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So being able to supplement and work with each other more. The second group I'm doing in the same organization, almost... Um, even more skewed to C's. So, I mean, I'm talking, if you look at a graph and it's a line chart of DISC, um, you know, the the first one was kind of a little check mark like that. This one is like a, a slightly below the line D, bottomed out I, like there's no I, um, and then slightly up S and then off the chart C. So again, a second group, not technical, that has that same profile, a very high C, and we're looking at trends within the organization of, okay, where are our our Ds? Where are our results people? And 
how can we shift this trend within the organization as a whole? So it becomes no longer just a discussion with this leader or with this leader. This might need to go more to an executive team to say, in general, we're seeing this trend. And why is that? So going back to what would I ask, I love the question of, if you're looking at this as a whole, what potential pitfalls could you run into as a team um, because of this this team profile? Are, are the members of these conversations seeing uh, other folks, their results of the disk assessment as well? Is it saying, you know, the pitfall we see as a team is because I recognize, you know, all of us here. <laughs> it's not just talking to the leader in this instance, but, you know, the, the, the people taking the assessment, right. self-evaluating the team. Right. So um, in in that in the one that I did not that I did not leave that I was referring to um, what they so they did a similar thing that you were saying with standing say so there was an action uh, a passive a task and a people so first you know if you feel like you're more action oriented move that wall and that wall if you move if you feel now shift if you are passive but people shift this way if you're active. And people shift this way, you know, so you're kind of counter clock, counter working. Sorry, guys, you can't see my hands <laughs> rotating here. But um, just speaking compass terms. <laughs> <laughs> One of the traits of an eye, which I, I am, is they talk with their hands. Oh. So things like this is very challenging. Our for audience me. is really missing out. You're drawing some beautiful <laughs> images with these hands. We got a plane landing. Any here. Yeah. So, um, anyway, so they can see conceptually, they don't necessarily have each other's report, Mm -hmm. but they can see conceptually who and what people are. Now, the one that I'll be leading, because there are some very specific conflicts that we're trying, the reason why we're using this is to address some, some major conflicts and trust issues, um, I will be more direct with we have, you know, who's a precisionist in the room, which is uh, uh, SC combination or CS combination, and who are the, um, can't remember the, the other title, but the DC combination. And what might you see? And, and when they see who's in those groups, they will see why. I mean, they will see that that is this person here, that's who I normally conflict with. If I have a conflict with someone, it's someone from those three groups mm. or that those the, the, one of those three people in that particular style or group. So we'll talk about more of the nature of those specific, um, probably in a group of 12 that we're looking at, there's probably only four different patterns, um, which is extremely rare. So the combination would be up to 36 with four. I think so. Yeah. Mm. With a few, I think there's a few additional ones because yeah. there are rare patterns that you have a three, a letter, th- uh, oh. three letter. Okay. I had kind of one more question. This dials back a little bit. You own and are the CEO of a company that's focused on leadership and turning people into leaders. Mm-hmm. I think from a very young age, we're always encouraged to like be the best you can be like at a young age, like you can be the president, you can be an astronaut, you can be anything. And as you know, you get older, you kind of lose some of that. We've been bred to become leaders, especially I think in the U S what 
Or would you say brainwashed to become mm, leaders? I don't want to go that far. Cultivated? I, Cultivated. Because I, I feel like, you know, they're, not everyone would be a chief. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's kind of... it's almost setting people up for failure, which is probably what you're getting at here. Yeah. Like, how do you combat, you know, the idea of having too many cooks in the kitchen? Mm. Right. Oh, that is a fascinating question, and there's about a jillion answers in my head of when you were saying that, that, oh, you know, it's just making, that's how I know that that's a passion of mine, is because when you ask that question of, of what all thoughts go in. But first of all, I think the the first thing to address with your question is the misconception of what a leader is. So in theoretically, we're all leaders, so we should all be at minimum leading ourselves. It could be that I am a leader, in, um, but I have no one reporting to me. But the way that I lead is through influence. So John Maxwell's big saying is that leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. So every single person out here has our own goals and our own dreams and our own ambitions. And we have to use, not use, It's a very manipulative word. We have to have other people in order to accomplish them. Very few of us can accomplish what we want to do and dream about in life through just ourselves. So in order to lead ourselves to where we want to go, which may not mean I'm leading other people from a hierarchical organizational standpoint, what it means is I have to use my influence in order to get to where I want to be because I, I need other people to do that. So through that, that leadership, I mean, some if you think about influence, some of the most influential people in your life were likely people that were not a work boss. I mean, it was probably a, a mom or a grandmother, not in a business role, but they were very influential. They led you to behave or want to be a person that, um, that you wanted to be. So I think first to keep it as succinct as possible is um, that leadership is just misunderstood. So um, that that when I when I heard you say what you were saying about you can do anything, I think where I would hone in on that is one, all of us have unlimited potential. That is absolutely true. That doesn't mean the potential is in sitting in a CEO seat um, of the biggest company in the world. Um, That potential is based on understanding our strengths and our passions and going after it. So um, where where that leadership comes into play in that is one, self-leadership, identifying what your strengths are through things like this, through constantly seeking that self-awareness and understanding, here is what I'm good at. And I have the confidence that I'm good at that. And if I want to be better at that, here's what I need to go do to be better at that. And second, understanding what your passions are. So they might be different. Um, My passion might be for, let's say, homeless. That's just a, you know, something that stirs me inside, let's, let's say. Um, But so how can I use my strengths and my passions to go where I would dream seeing myself making a difference and adding value and significance to that group um, or to that cause or to that passion. So mine, I have a strength in, 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 uh, in project management, even though I'm not 
a CI, which is a RSC, which is the details, but that's a whole different conversation we would go into. My passion, what stirs me is to create people that believe um, your leadership and leading people and leading yourself makes a difference and can make a difference in anything you're trying to achieve. And so combining those two is where I'm trying, I'm, 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 I'm following. I'm following those those dreams of mine. No one reporting to me right now. Um, my my sphere of influence went from a large group to me. I'm leading myself, and now I find myself. How do I influence people that don't have to do what I say because I'm boss? And that's a whole different skill set. the The idea is to. Your, the, the leadership is to continue to hone your strengths, your passions, and develop those dreams and desires and know and have the confidence to go after those. I was told a couple years ago, and I keep bringing up Barry, I think this podcast is just going to turn into me talking about my old college days. That's, <laughs> okay. I bring it up every episode. Um, but my senior year, we had a professor who um, she actually went over a whole little lesson plan on how important it is to learn how to be a follower before you lead. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of echoes to your point here. And like, you know, you're not, you have to learn how to lead for yourself. You have to learn how to pick up the skills of other people and hone yourself. It's more than just taking charge of something. Yep. And, you know, I think that was one of the most valuable lessons I learned as, as like I was transitioning into quote unquote real adulthood is learning that, you know, leadership isn't, you know, being being able to do anything, right. but it's able to pick up those skills and, you know, have a lens, whether it be a personality test or something like that, to have some self-awareness, awareness of other people around you and be able to work to a cause together. The, I, I always knew that I would own a business and lead people. Like that's just been a calling on my life from very early on. But the most unhealthy thing I could have done uh, and what I was originally planning on doing is never working for the man in quotations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like that, I was planning to come right into the workforce, being my own boss for forever. That would have been the most unhealthy thing for me right. to do. I would be trampling over everyone mm-hmm. uh, and I still have unhealthy tendencies, I know, but I am more aware of them now because of the work experience that I have following other leaders, both good and bad. Right, right. You learn, I've learned just as much from the bad ones as I did from, you know, the the good manager side. But, you know, following first as a leader is one of the healthiest things that you could do. Mm -hmm. Um, There's some saying that the best leaders are followers, are great followers. Mm -hmm. So just putting yourself in... Because uh, a lot of it comes from servanthood, I believe. Right. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's my heart behind leading, is, and mm-hmm. why, uh, and, you know, my personality test that we took supports this is that I want to cultivate people, and I want to protect people. Mm-hmm. And even though that's a strength, it's also a weakness, right? Mm-hmm. But that's where my leadership comes from. Is I, I want to surround myself with people, and I want to help them become their best potential. My question was going to be what your elevator pitch would be to businesses that are looking at maybe implementing the DISC system. Why would we do that? What's the benefit to our business? So, you know, it, it's, it, it depends on if you're coming from a task or a, a people standpoint. Um, first of all, I think 
from a, I guess, where my heart is. Um, as a leader, our desire should be to just develop the best team that we can, that, that we can. And this is a tool for um, truly developing that understanding how we can work better together, um, improve communication, improve collaboration, all of that. It, it truly enhances that. So that's my people answer to my D's that may ask that is you got to clear some of the, the crap out of the team. Um, whether you know it's there or not, in order to get the best results. So if you want better results, this would be um, this would be a great tool. It feels warm and fuzzy, but it actually clears the pathway to achieve optimal results, which ultimately, whether we are a people type leader or a results oriented type leader, our job, the reason we get a paycheck is still the same, which is to produce results for the company. So whichever way we go about it, um, which of course I, I, I lean towards the um, doing it for for the, the people and not for yourself, but um, it, the, the way you go about it still is achieving the same results, which is a, a better performing a better performing team. Awesome. And if people want to learn more about you, Heather, and Lead Strong, how can they get in contact? They can contact me through my website, which is leadstrong414.com, or just email me directly, which is probably the easiest way at H-C-A-S-E-Y, so H-K-C at leadstrong414.com. Well, Heather, thank you so much. Thank for you for us. having me. I um, love you guys. So. Oh my gosh, this was so fun. I knew we would have a good time. This was such. It was. It was so much fun. Better than anyone could anticipate it. <laughs> it was wonderful. Far beyond. All right, Heather. Thanks so much for stopping by. Thank, thank you, you for having me. Sure was. It was so fun. So this is uh, the part where Bromega talks. Oh man! Wow. I know. Romega talks, but it's not Romega. Not quite yet. Because we have our special guest, our very own Sarah Tebow here. How are you, Sarah Tebow? I am great, thank you. I'm so glad you invited me on the podcast. <laughs> Anytime. Yeah. Um, well, Brandon and I, we were there. We had a great time. But what do you think of the episode? I thought it was really interesting. Um, personality tests um, are something that I have been asked to take uh, many times over the years. And so it was interesting to hear the perspective of someone who administers them and uses them uh, in a business setting to see kind of what that looks like from the other side. Yeah, I think we're very familiar with personality tests here uh, as Brayden has made us take much to my joy and I think your chagrin would that be would that be accurate (laughs) I mean personality tests can be fun Mm -hmm. um you mentioned in the in in the previous episode of the podcast you know talking about yourself is fun yeah like that isn't unique to Abby um we all do like (laughs) we all like talking about Abby um (laughs) that's right (laughs) uh, we do all like talking about ourselves and thinking about ourselves so Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, personality tests can be fun. I just, uh, I think I have a few misgivings about them that maybe you guys don't share. Um, so I probably don't take them quite as seriously as other people do. 
What do you? What are your misgivings with it specifically? Well, I think I think the main one is you know something that I have seen play out to a certain extent is that um, I think it can give people an excuse to not do the work on themselves to say this is how I am and therefore I can't change it. Um, I think people use this um, and it extends beyond personality tests, uh, but you know my. Enneagram type, according to the test that we most recently took, uh, came out to be a one, which is a strict perfectionist who has a tendency to be judgmental and care a lot about what's right and what's wrong. Um, which, I mean, that's me. That, that, I mean, there is science behind these things. That, that is me. But that doesn't give me permission to be unyielding and not consider others' opinions and silently judge people. It, just because that might be my tendency doesn't mean that I can just lean into those more negative aspects of my personality and say, sorry, it's how I am, can't do anything about it. Um, I, think, I, I think that your know, personality tests can be valuable in that they can show you some of those things about yourselves that maybe you know, you're not thinking about um, and self-analyzing, but a lot of people just take that to mean this is who I am and there's no point in trying to be any different because it's hard-coded into me. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. And then um, the other thing that I think maybe isn't great um, about personality tests is I think they can encourage people to uh, judge you based on a type rather than your own actions. Um, I If, if Braden is evaluating me for a promotion, which, you know, anytime, Brayden. Um, <laughs> I want him to look at my history of work, what I have done, what I have accomplished, and not think, well, Sarah's personality type is X, therefore, I think she needs to stay in this role. Um, mm-hmm. I would, which, you know, and I get that there's something there to consider, like what you're suited for, but I think... I think it's better to judge people based on their actions rather than some code that came up in a test. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you have to say about that, Braden? I don't disagree with any of it. Um, I think those are good thoughts, and it's definitely something to be mindful of. From my perspective, I would say there there are some aspects to it that are really beneficial um, to building teams um, and to business owners evaluating what they need in a team. So for example, we are a smaller company, we're a smaller business. Um, If I'm trying to start a new sector at the company, um, I would not likely put an artistic person in that role, someone that identifies, you know, somewhere in the four spectrum on the Enneagram, for example. But would you look at their history of work instead of their, you know, I, I feel like you should be looking at the history of work. Like, okay, yes, they are, they are artistic. They're very mm. good with, you know, yeah. talking about their feelings. I, I guess my, my feeling is you should look at them as a person sure. rather than just administer a test and make judgments based oh, yeah. on that. And I'm not saying you're doing that. Right. I mean, you're obviously not, but I think, I think that can be a danger with, with personality tests in general yeah that if you're like if you're giving every perspective hire a personality test and then deciding whether or not to hire them based heavily on that result i think that could be 
dangerous. I think it's, I think it's good to identify where, where people fit in best. Um, so, I mean, if the role was artistic in nature and that's what it required, then yeah. the opposite is true. I, I would I'd be really, terrible at that position. I'd really want to find someone that was great at that. If yeah. it's more operational and I really need a system put in place and it needs to be hands off from me, I need someone that can just run with it. Um, that's going to be somewhere along the one spectrum, you know, but one of the things I like about the Enneagram is, uh, you know, it, it, it's not one personality that you are. You actually, uh, the way that the Enneagram works, you, you have this core personality, mine's an eight, and there are times where I'm closer to a nine, there's times where I'm closer to a seven, and then I have these stress and release points based on my personality type. So um, for my eight to be healthy, I need to be closer to like a two who cares more about people. Um, otherwise, I would become very self-consumed and be looking out only for myself. And then that would be me closer to, I believe it's a five, um, leaning more into that personality type is, is my unhealthy. So it's, it's not categorizing you into one person or one personality and putting you in that box. It's recognizing this is kind of who your DNA, what your DNA is, and it can show itself in multiple different ones. Um, and be careful what kind of environment you surround yourself in because you could release into more of a stress realm or release into more, uh, you know, uh, of a healthy realm, uh, based on the personalities you surround yourself with and how you, you know, manage your environment. So that's what I liked about the Enneagram. Yeah. Like, you know, Raiden wouldn't put me and my type in this super, super process oriented place. Cause that's not where my strengths lie. Yeah. And, 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 and knowing us. where the gaps are, we know how to kind of approach them too. Mm -hmm. In that, uh, you know, some people need to create their own process and live within that. Some people need the process given to them and live within that. And then some people need to come to terms, you know, with someone as to how do we create a process around this. And uh, that's been really helpful from, you know, our communication standpoint, figuring out how to make all that work is just how your personality works and, and, and what you need. Mm -hmm. And I am glad to hear that because um, that does speak to you know, the first of the concerns that I have is this idea of, hey, this is, this is me. Um, you know, Abby could very easily say, well, I don't do well with tasks. So Braden, don't give me any tasks to do. That's not going to work. Um, you're figuring out how to address the things that mm -hmm. are, you know, you still have to do them in your job, even mm -hmm. though they're not necessarily things that come naturally to you. And so you're figuring out how to do that. Yeah. And so I think that, I think that's great. Um, so you are clearly not one of those people that I'm judging for, uh, <sighs> not working on themselves. Thank you for not judging me. I said I wasn't <laughs> judging you for that. Oh, oh. <laughs> what I have to know. You have to tell me right now. Um, no, I agree with that though. Like yeah. uh, that really explains your perspective. Well, is that some people will take a cop out and say, right. I don't do well with tasks or I don't do well with whatever and just not do it. Well, I mean, especially in this company, we're a small business. Everyone's going to have to do things they don't like. I say that all the time. We always have, we all have things Absolutely. in our position, I, I, including me, uh, that I have to do that I don't love. Um, and really it's just a matter of realizing how, to organize your day yourself so that you make time for those and you do it um, to the level of excellence that's required for it. And that stretches your personality for sure. Sarah, where do you think uh, 
any kind of personality test, Enneagram or DISC or anything like that would come really in handy, especially in the workplace. I think, you know, for me, it is, it is a useful thing. Um, we all like to think that we're perfect and it is a good exercise to examine um, the parts of yourself that maybe you don't like to think about a lot. So I think having a, having a result that shows you like, these are the things to look out for definitely helps. Um, it helps me think about, you know, when I have like a first, um, like a, a rush of annoyance because somebody did something that I don't think they should have done. Um, sometimes that's justified. Sometimes it's just, um, they didn't do it how I would have done it, but it's actually okay. And so to be on the lookout for that is good. Um, so I think that's really where it's the most useful is in self-reflection. Yeah, I love that. Brayden, what was the core reason of you giving us these personality tests? Just for fun. <laughs> to watch people squirm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, 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 there, there's some evaluation going on with the, the company right now trying to figure out, you know, a SWOT analysis, what's our strengths, what's our weaknesses, um, understanding, you know, the components of the company that's running really well, what are the elements that um, attribute to that? Um, are they, you know, are they the team members that's in place? Is it the processes that are in place? Um, is it the personalities that are there? Um, so just looking through data, more or less. Um, but also, I, I felt like, uh, you know, it, it's a good exercise for us to do for ourselves, for just personal development. Um, from a management standpoint, you know, maybe I'll glean something from it, maybe I won't. But um, I, I think everyone just kind of taking a moment to think about themselves, the health of their selves, mental, mental state, you know, are, are they happy in this position? Are they happy with the work that they're doing? Um, is there anything that they can change in their day-to-day -day that would, would provide more happiness? You know, those are healthy thought processes to go through. We tend to have something like this every year that pops up that allows us to think through those types of things. Um, and that's always an open conversation with the team. You know, I'm always asking how you guys are doing. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's why. Yeah. Well, I think through this conversation, especially with Heather Casey, who is an absolute gem, again, Heather, She's fantastic. we love you, uh, come back and hang out with us sometime, um, but I think this really shows that there is a lot of good that can come from personality tests, you know, between coworkers, whether it be, you know, like how to address issues with someone who you don't automatically click with or how to, you know, figure out yourself. If you guys are interested, the listeners, in anything that Heather spoke about these past couple episodes, we have a link to her website in the bio. And uh, this has been Romega Talks. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs>